Okay. Uh, seems even short a little for me. Um, before we get started, there aren't any like eyeglasses in that pew, is there? Did you find any? Okay. I've lost a pair of my glasses, I think, on Sunday, so obviously I'm not sure where they were. They're not where they belong, so they're somewhere else. I didn't take them, even though you saw me eye on your glasses. Yeah, well, I checked, the, I checked the lost and found. They weren't there. They might be buried outside in the... In the um, All right, uh, memory verses. We'll start there. And then tonight we're going to talk about the little horn in Daniel chapter 7 and the little horn in Daniel chapter 8. Uh, Lord willing, that's, we'll cover both of those tonight. So Daniel, and we'll do some review. So Daniel 7.14 was the memory verse for chapter 7. Daniel 7.14. Anyone have this memorized? Anyone courageous? Brennan, you kind of know it, but not real well. Do you want me to get you started? Oh, okay. <laughs> you want to try? You're on the right track. So, and to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom. You said kingdom and power, but dominion, glory, and kingdom, those three things, over three groups of people, right? That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. And then we learn a little bit more about his kingdom. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. And this is very typical Hebrew poetry structure here. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And then we have another statement that's very similar to it. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. And this is talking about the Son of Man. And we'll talk about the Son of Man tonight, too. All right, so now Daniel 8, verse 23 is our verse, is our memory verse for tonight. Thanks for giving it a try, Brennan. Thanks for being courageous. Um, And this one is a little more pessimistic. We'll talk about this one later. And at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, this is actually a pretty good English translation here. Uh, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, shall arise. So there is a king of bold face who will arise at the end, at the latter days. And we're going to talk about that king today. All right, so let us go back to Daniel chapter 7, and let's get a little bit of a running start Uh, and review a little bit here. And I will switch this back over here to Daniel 7.
All right, so the book of Daniel. And this is the four beasts. So who remembers uh, what the first beast? Let's see, let's get past the apple, uh, the literature here, the introduction. Daniel 7, here's the outline. All right, oops, there we go. All right, what was the first beast in Daniel 7, Sebastian? A lion with eagle's wings, that is correct. And we have this old wood engraving wood engraving uh, that uh, I showed last time. And we said the lion represents Nebuchadnezzar, the king, and he represents Babylon, the nation. What happens to the lion with eagle's wings? What happens to him in the story? Kevin? His wings get plucked off. And then, Sebastian? And what's the third thing? His wings are plugged off. He's made to stand up like a man. Anyone? Anyone? Kevin? He's given the mind of a man. Okay, so this is referring to what happens to Nebuchadnezzar is recorded in Daniel 4. Now, one thing I didn't mention last week, but I'll mention it tonight, is this vision of the four beasts takes place after Daniel 4. So this is after Nebuchadnezzar's reign has ended, and Belshazzar is now reigning. So Nebuchadnezzar has probably died at this point in time. So Daniel is very familiar with the story of Nebuchadnezzar uh, when he has this vision of the lion. All right, so what's the next beast? The first one was the lion. What's the second one? Bear. Someone said bear. Oh, is it was you, Eva? I thought it was Levi. I, I couldn't tell. A little voice came. Oh, I should mention. So this is the Babylonian Empire. Do we have the thing here? Um, which, uh, This is the Babylonian Empire. So I wanted to review this because we talked about this a long time ago. So I thought this would be good. When we're talking about the Babylonian Empire, we're talking about this red part right here. Okay, Babylon was down here. See, it says Babylon right there. And Assyria was up here. And Phoenicia is over here. And Israel and Judah, Jerusalem is over here. And this is Egypt. Any A students in the room tonight? Anyone? Anyone's an A student? Does anyone remember? This says Arabia, but does anyone remember what the name of that is in the Bible? What that's called? Kevin? No, not Asia Minor. This is Asia Minor up here. Does anyone remember? It's called the Negev. All right, no A students tonight. Sorry, Anna. <laughs> All right. That was, that was a hard one. Okay, so this is the Babylonian Empire. So Babylon took, takes over Assyria, down to Jerusalem, to Arabia, um, fights against Egypt on a number of occasions, never wins. Okay, so they never get, they never get over into Egypt. Alright, so that's the Babylonian Empire. So when we're talking about Babylon as a kingdom, we're talking primarily just that fertile crescent. This map, which I did not make, uh, there's credits down here at the bottom. There's this little town of Uruk right here. 
which is the oldest known civilization to mankind. And this sea had flooded this area, so it was not discovered till recently as waters receded and left the land dry, and they found the city of Uruk there. Um, it's a pretty, pretty famous place. Okay, that's just for free. That has nothing to do with the book of Daniel. Okay, so this is uh, the first. Okay, so the second one, Evangeline, Eva said, is the bear. All right, so the bear uh, is the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, we said there's two nations, one that's stronger than the other. There are three ribs, and it lasts for a few hundred years, and it conquers Babylon as recorded in Daniel chapter 6. Um, what is uh, what is interesting about the bear, other than the three ribs? How is the bear described in Daniel seven? Judson. Okay. Well, it, maybe it has one side that's raised, not one side that's lowered. It has one side that's raised, um, and we're not exactly sure what that means. Some people think like this one. He's got the paw up. Okay, so that's kind of one side is raised. Uh, some, all four are on the ground, and it's kind of humpbacked. Uh, it could be that he's actually rearing, uh, and so it's he's this way. One side is raised up. Uh, the text is a little unclear on that. But it denotes that one side is stronger than the other. Uh, the three ribs, uh, which I mentioned, we're not exactly sure what this stands for, but there is, uh, in reviewing for tonight, um, one idea has to do with the Medo-Persian Empire and the direction it went. So some think it refers to the fact that the Persian Empire, which took over all of this, and the Babylonian Empire, so it encompasses both, took over the south and the north and the, the west. And maybe that was the three ribs, the three directions that it went. Now, media just so that you can see your geography here. Media is on this map right here, the city of Ekbatana. Ek I think that's misspelled. I think that's Ekbatana, but Ektabana. That doesn't look right to me. Maybe I'll go with it, though, Ektabana. Okay, that's the capital of Media at the time. Um, and then this town right here, see, this one is important. That's Susa. And the Persians really liked Susa, and they built um, some, the kings built some summer homes there on the lake, some lake homes. They had some lake homes there in Susa. I don't know that there's any lakes in Susa, but it would be like us building a lake home up north. Um, this is Persia over here, and Persia is modern-day Iran. Uh, Iran and Pakistan over in that part. Here is India. India is still India. Although this is partly Pakistan now. Um, but uh, this was Persia. Now, media, does anyone know what the word media means? We get the word medium, the word median, the word meso, middle. It means middle. And media was the nation that was between Persia and Babylon 
or between Persia and the Fertile Crescent. Now, this land over here, which you can't see on this map, is some of the most, I've been told, I haven't been there, but I've been told that it's some of the most beautiful land in the world. And the reason that the Pakistanis and Indians are fighting all the time is over this land that's in between their two countries. So um, Persia had this land, and Persia, Media was the one that started out as the strongest. Media went to Persia and said, hey, if we get together, we can, uh, we can take over the world. And Persia wasn't real strong at the time, and Persia said, hey, that sounds like a really good idea. Let's take over the world. But then the rulers of Persia became much stronger than the rulers of Media. So the only Median ruler we have mentioned in the Bible is whom? Who's the one Mede that we have mentioned? Kevin? Yes. Did you know that? Oh, no, Nebuchadnezzar was Babylonian. But Darius was the Mede, Daniel chapter 6. So Darius was the Mede. But the Persians were the ones who ended up taking over the most power, and under Cyrus in particular, who's also mentioned there. So they take over all of this land, the Medes and Persians. They're two nations um, who are joined together, and Persia becomes the stronger of the two. All right, the leopard. Oh, whoops. All right, the third animal is the leopard with four wings and four heads. Um, so Alexander the Great is the main ruler. It takes him just a few years to conquer the known world. Uh, then he dies young, the age of 33, I think it is. Uh, four rulers take his place. They divide his kingdom up into four. And um, they rule the world for a couple hundred years, but they're weakened by the fact that there's four of them. So Greece is right there. If I could hold my hand steady, it's on the west coast of that peninsula right there. That's Greece. They went all the way around the Mediterranean Sea. So you see, here's Italy. You should recognize Italy. All good people should recognize Italy. If you're married to an Italian, you better recognize Italy. And Sicily, which is now part of Italy, unless you talk to a Sicilian. Okay, so anyway, France, which was Gaul, and then Spain, and then the Straits of Gibraltar, and then along the north coast here. So this Greece took over all of that. That includes Egypt. Greece conquered Egypt, something that the Medes and Persians and the Babylonians could not do. And he went all the way over to India and Mongolia, way over here. Uh, he conquered everything. Up here on the Caspian, no, that's Caspian Sea, the Black Sea, and all the way up to the mountains. So this was Alexander the Great. Uh, he did that in, in swift time. So here, it was split up into four sections afterwards. Uh, and this is important for chapter 8. So here's Egypt. That was given to Ptolemy. Um, this was Greece up here. Uh, and then you had uh, this is the Seleucid, and then this is, yeah, this is Seleucid Empire. This is the third one, and that's the fourth one. So there are four kingdoms that it was split up into. What's that? Yeah, yeah, one guy got a lot more. That wasn't, yeah, very fair, uh, I guess you could say. Um, 
But they lost power. They became weak when they divided, and they lost power. And so they did lose around the edges. And that's why this doesn't go to Italy anymore. It was, uh, it was lost shortly after. To the Romans. Uh, the Romans pushed the Greeks out. Then the fourth beast was the Roman uh, Empire, and it had ten horns. Then there were three horns that were ripped out by one horn. And depending on who you talk to, the Roman Empire lasted from 44 B.C. to anywhere from 200 A.D., 410 A.D., 476 A.D., 1066 A.D. Um, some people say it's still in power to this day under the auspices of the Roman Catholic Church in the West or in the Eastern Orthodox Church in the East, which I don't um, agree, agree with. Uh, so the Roman Empire, somewhere along the line, faded out. And uh, here's kind of a map. The Romans uh, stopped the Greeks early and then took over the Greeks area, the Greek area. Uh, here's the Jerusalem, North Africa. North Africa, by the way, was not as much desert back then. This is something I learned from reading the biography of, of Augustine. Um, the, the desert had not pushed so far north yet. So there was actually more fertile land here and more settlement. Uh, and then Spain, Port Portugal, all the way up into Britain, and there's some question as to whether or not they made it to, to Ireland. Um, so that's the, the, the extent of the Roman Empire as we know it. Uh, this says 69 AD, so um, under different uh, emperors. All right. Now... This is where we left off. Here are some things that didn't happen. So when we're following Daniel, and we'll see, see in chapter 8, Daniel's prophecies are so specific that people who do not believe that God inspired the Bible believe that Daniel could not have written the book of Daniel. The prophecies are too specific. Uh, so we can... We can look at history, when we look at chapter 8, where chapter 8 actually gives us the names of the nations. Uh, Daniel 2 gives us the name of the first nation, it's Babylon. Daniel 8 gives us the name of the second and third nation, the Medo-Persian Empire and the Greek Empire. Uh, it actually gives us the, those names. And God uh, told Daniel these names before these events occurred. So um, predictive prophecy is, is quite important. Um, so the little horn. So what happens is, as we're reading Daniel chapter 7, which I hope you have your Bibles open to Daniel 7, um, Daniel is interested in what's going on with the little horn, who, remember, is not one of the ten. There are ten horns, then the little horn appears, and he takes up three, three horns, rip, rips them out, takes over their kingdom, their kingdoms, and then he rises to power over the ten. So who is the who is the little horn? That's the question. So we know in history um, certain things that did take place. We know that the Medo-Persian Empire took place. We know Alexander the Great took place. We know his kingdom was divided into four. And we know that that took place, and we can name those people. And then we know that the Romans took over. 
So that's the fourth beast, that's the terrible beast. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, what we know from history seems to kind of end there. So let's look at the prophecy and work our way backwards. So when we go to verse uh, 13, so verse 13 says, I saw the night visions, in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. So this, remember, the Ancient of Days is sitting, sitting where? Where is the Ancient of Days sitting? Was, we mentioned this last week, but it's a little bit earlier in the passage. Where is he sitting? Do you remember? Kevin? On his throne, but which throne in particular? Judgment. Yep. A courtroom has been set up, and the books are open, and the Ancient of Days is ready to judge. I suppose we're recording. I should stay by the microphone. Uh, The Ancient of Days is ready to judge. He has the books open, and he's going to judge the little horn. Uh, After So this takes place after that. So the Ancient of Days is in his courtroom. He has just made judgment. And uh, one like the son of man. Now it says like a son of man. All right, which means here comes a person uh, that looks like a man. Okay. Now this is different than uh, Daniel 2, or no, Daniel 3, sorry, where the young men are in the lion's den. And what does Nebuchadnezzar say there? He sees somebody else, a fourth person who looks like what? Or whom? What does he look like? Right, a son of the gods. Here, Daniel sees someone that looks like a son of a man. In other words, he looks like a human, but he's floating up in the skies and he's coming to the Ancient of Days. So he's, it's like he's standing outside the courtroom, if there's an outside of the courtroom. Remember, this is kind of a vision. It's kind of like having a dream. Things don't always match up. Daniel can see in the courtroom and see what's happening in the courtroom, but evidently there's like a door on the courtroom or some kind of entrance to it. This man comes along to the entrance to the courtroom, and somebody, probably an angel of some kind, presents him to the Ancient of Days. So he goes up, and it's like a bailiff, I guess. And the bailiff takes Daniel, or takes the son of man, not Daniel, into the courtroom, Uh, where he can speak to the Ancient of Days. So he has permission to enter the court. And he's presented before the Ancient of Days. So verse uh, 14, and to him, so this is is our memory verse that Brennan was reciting earlier, uh, to him, so this is to the Son of Man. Now, by the way, Jesus uses this title for himself in the Gospels which would be really good sidetrack to talk about. But when Jesus says things like the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost, he's taking this title, Son of Man, and he's appropriating it to himself. All right, so in verse 14, to him, to the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Well, what? which kingdom? Well, which kingdom comes after the Roman Empire according to the prophecy in Daniel. Daniel 2, for example. I think I've got it on your sheet. 
the stone. The stone that's cut without hands. I do have it on your little handout here, if you have the handout from last week. It's the kingdom of God. So after Rome, the kingdom of God is established, and in in Daniel 2, it's the stone cut without hands that comes flying out of nowhere, smashes the image, and then grows to encapsulate the whole world. It grows over the whole world. Uh, So here, we have the Son of Man, and to him is given this kingdom, the same kingdom, um, the stone cut without hands. The kingdom of God is given to him. All peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. So it's it goes around the whole world. Okay, his kingdom is has no geographical boundary like we saw on all of these other maps. This is a geographical boundary. That's where the kingdom stops and another kingdom starts. Okay. There, there's no geographical boundary to this this man's kingdom that the, that God gives to him. Uh, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So in the vision in chapter 2 and in the vision of chapter 7, each kingdom rises to power and then is destroyed by another kingdom. And then that kingdom rises to power and another kingdom comes and destroys it. When the kingdom of God is established, there will be no kingdom after it that will come and destroy it or succeed it or take its place. And we saw that in Daniel 2 and the same images here in Daniel 7. All right, so here's the question. Has this kingdom of God been established on earth? No. No, it has not. Okay. So, the kingdom of God has not been established on earth. Now, we're going we're to work our way backwards here a little bit. Um, well, let me just jump over to verse 27 first, and then we'll, then we'll go backwards. Verse 27 also talks about this kingdom, but it gives us a little bit more information. The kingdom, uh, verse 27 of chapter 7, and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Their kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall, shall serve and obey them. So, Daniel says it's the saints, and what he's referring to is the people of Israel, but not just the people of Israel, but a holy people of Israel. Because he refers to them not just as the people of Israel, but as saints. The same kingdom, the kingdom of God, that's going to be ruled by the, by the Son of Man is a kingdom that's given to the people of Israel. And their kingdom is given a special place over all the other kingdoms. So when it says, all dominions shall serve and obey them. So the Son of Man rules over a kingdom that is worldwide, but there is another kingdom that is more equal uh, than the other ones, and it's the people of Israel. And their kingdom is going to have a special place of prominence. Um, which leads me to the conclusion that the Son of Man is probably of the Jewish race. Because he's probably one of them. And, um, and he probably is the Messiah. Okay, so this has not happened yet. Uh, Jesus is not reigning from Jerusalem 
people of Israel are not dwelling safely in the land. Uh, by the way, uh, pop quiz, what is the next event of prophecy to hap- that will happen next? What's the next prophecy that will happen next? Does anyone remember? From us. Happen sometime in the future from us. What's the next one? The rapture. Okay. The people of Israel are in, there is a nation state of Israel today that happened in 1948 that was not a fulfillment of prophecy. Okay, that, that wasn't a fulfillment of prophecy. They could be kicked out of the land by Joe Biden as soon as he makes a peace treaty with Palestine, which is something he wants to do. And that would not affect my eschatology one, one little bit. All right. So, when we get to Daniel 12, just hold on to that thought till we get to Daniel 12. Um, okay, so where were we? Oh yeah, so the kingdom is not yet. It has not happened yet. Now, let's take a step backwards. Alright, so verse 11 of Daniel 7. I looked then, um, yes. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn, that is the little horn, was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. And as for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So the other beasts refer to the Gentile nations. The Gentile nations didn't cease existing because Rome conquered the, the little the known world. Now, Rome seems to have ceased, uh, which is true, but one, we still have Gentile nations. We live in one. And two, we've had no uh, little horn who has spoken great things and great blasphemies against God in this way, who is judged um, by, uh, by the Lord. So when we go to verse, let's see, cross over to uh, verse 24. Yeah, as for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another one shall arise after them, an eleventh. He shall be different from the former ones, and he shall put down the three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law, uh, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints. So one thing happens right before the other. The kingdom has not started yet, and this judgment that we read about on the little horn has also not happened yet. There has not been a little horn who's uprooted three kingdoms who are in a coalition of ten kingdoms. None of this has happened yet. So we're backing up and we're saying that hasn't happened, this hasn't happened, this hasn't happened. So that's where we get to here and we say, well, what has not been fulfilled yet? The Ten Nation Coalition haven't happened yet. The rise of the little horn, the judgment, the institution of the kingdom and the giving of the kingdom to the saints. None of this has happened yet. So in the middle of this prophecy, we have ancient Rome and then we have something that's like Rome. So we call it the revived Roman Empire, and it's un, 
on your sheet there. It was the feet and toes of iron and clay from Daniel 2, and here it's the ten horns. And this part of the prophecy has yet to come to pass. All of the prophecies up to this point in Daniel 7 have happened uh, very specifically. We can point to something here, and we can point to something in history, and we can say without a doubt, even people who don't believe in inspiration of Scripture will say, without a doubt, this thing in, in Daniel 7 refers to that event in history. Now, some people will try to make the Ten Nation Coalition happen way back in the first century, and the little horn they might call Nero, and they might try to do something to make it historical, uh, but there's far from any consensus on that. Up until this point, up until the point of the nation of Rome, uh, there's there's no debate. So, um, so these things we would say are not going to are not yet fulfilled, and there's no reason to believe they won't be fulfilled, as they were actually um, actually promised here in the scriptures. Uh, so, I mentioned some things here on the on the sheet for the revived Roman Empire. Um, it's a ten-nation coalition. Uh, one unknown leader rises to power. Uh, he's a man who says audacious or bold things against God. Um, he leads the revived Roman Empire. He persecutes the Jewish people for three and a half years. So, do you remember last week I talked a little bit about time, the word time? It says time, times, and half a time. Does anyone remember what a time, what length of time a time is? One. One year. And a times is how many years? Two. Two years. Okay, remember there's a way of saying I have one hand, I have two hands, and then there are many hands. We all have many hands. Okay, in Hebrew, in Aramaic, there's a special word for two of something. Like two hands, two eyes, two ears. Two years is what we have here. So three and a half years is what it equals. All right, so, um, and some things on the kingdom of God there, which I mentioned. All right, uh, questions on Daniel 7? Because we're going to go into Daniel 8, if not. And there is, yeah, don't read my text books. All right. You know, my mother forgets that we're here. She's done that before, too. Okay. Um, was that what it was about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, Daniel 8. Yes, children, it is something that will happen. All right, Daniel 8. The ram and the he-goat. And uh, here you have a handout as well uh, that expands the, um, the chart of the kingdoms. So since we just talked a little bit about this, 
we will uh, move through here. So this is the Medo-Persian Empire, the ram. Okay, so the ram, like um, like the uh, uh, in, like in the other things, other visions. In this case, the ram has two horns. It probably is a ram that looks similar to this one. Um, there are other kinds of rams. There's some that you'll see that have straight, the horns are straight out, but it's probably one like this. And one horn is somehow bigger than the other. So this artist tried to depict that. You can see that it's a little bit bigger. Um, it represents the Medes and Persians again. The Persians, uh, it says that one horn was smaller and then grew and became larger than the other. That again refers to the Persian Empire. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just said all that. Um, so this is the ram. Now we're told in, in Daniel 8, uh, in verse 20, 20, it says, As for the ram that you saw, this is the angel who's interpreting the dream to Daniel. As for the, the ram that you saw with the two horns, these are the kings of Media and Persia. Okay. So, the kings of Media and Persia. We are told specifically that this nation, this is going to be the Media, Medo-Persian Empire. Um, if you look at Daniel 8.1, it says, In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar. All right, so, he's, Daniel is still living under the Babylonian Empire when he sees this, and he's told specifically that it's the Medo-Persian Empire. So when we say in Daniel 2, well, the, the chest and arms of silver, and we say in Daniel 7, the bear is the Medo-Persian Empire, I mean, yes, in history we can point to that, Daniel 6 we can point to that, but here we actually have it revealed to us ahead of time, the exact name of the nation that's going to take over uh, Babylon. Uh, this gives people, again, people who don't believe that, that the scriptures are inspired, this, this is a problem to them. Um, they will say that Daniel must have been written somewhere around 180 uh, or 160 B.C., um, as we'll see later here in Daniel 8. Uh, but that actually still doesn't account for all the prophecies that are still yet to be fulfilled to Daniel in 186 or 164. So um, there's... Uh, it still doesn't work. Anyway, uh, and the goat, verse 21, is the king of Greece. And the great horn between his eyes is the first king, or the primary king. And the king was broken into four, or the horn was broken, and in place four others arose. Four kingdoms arise from his nation, but not with his power. All right, so the ram um, is the Medo-Persian Empire. Then the goat and here we have the one horn, it's broken off and replaced with four. So the one horn is Alexander the Great, and the four horns are the four uh, that take over his kingdom after he dies at a young age. Um, and we, So this is exactly what we know as history, but now we're told specifically that this is going to be the Greek Empire. So now this is for... Um, for Medo-Persian Empire, it's just a couple years before the Medo-Persians take over Babylon. It's a couple hundred years before Alexander the Great. And this was revealed to Daniel. Uh, this is 
This is pretty amazing. Okay. So in the chart there, uh, you can see that the Medo-Persian Empire is the ram with two horns. Greece is the goat, the horn, the four horns, and then there's a little horn. And now we have the question of another little horn. So let's take a look at this a little bit um, tonight. Maybe we won't do it complete justice. But uh, All right, so let's go back to verse... Well, let's go to the vision itself. And then we'll come over to the, the interpretation. Uh, verse 9. Okay. Uh, Daniel 8. Out of one of them came a little horn. So, actually, let's back up to verse 8. The goat became exceedingly great, but when he was strong... So the goat is uh, the one that we're talking about here, Greece... Um, became exceedingly great, but when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns toward the four winds of heaven. Okay, and that just, they separated in, into four segments there. East, west, south, north, south, west, and east. Uh, from my perspective, east and west here. Uh, now, out of one of them, so out of one of these four Greek empires came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great towards the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. So that would be towards Jerusalem, towards Israel. Uh, verse 10, it grew great even to the host of heaven. And some of the host and some of the stars it threw down to the ground and trampled on them. It became great, even as great as the prince of the host. And notice in the ESV, prince is capitalized. And the regular burnt offering was taken away from him, and the place of his sanctuary was overthrown, and a host will be given over to it, together with the regular burnt offering because of a transgression, or because of transgression. And it will throw truth to the ground, and it will act and prosper. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the one who spoke, For how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering and the transgression that makes desolate, and the giving over of the sanctuary, and the host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, For twenty-three hundred evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state. All right, so we have, this is the vision of another little horn. And the question is, is this little horn the same little horn we just talked about in Daniel 7? So on your sheet there, I mentioned some differences. In Daniel 7, the Roman, uh, the little horn is Roman. Okay, He comes out of the fourth kingdom. And in Daniel 8, he comes out of one of the Greek, divided Greek kingdoms. He is a Greek. In Daniel 7... He rises in addition to the ten horns, so he's the eleventh. Here he rises out of one of the four horns. And then in Daniel 7, he harasses Israel for 1,260 days, three and a half years. Here, 2,300 mornings and evenings, which could be 2,300 days, or it could be 1,150 days, or it could be some number in between, um, depending on what morning and evening refers to. Okay, so they seem to be uh, two different people. Okay, they seem to be two different people. 
Now let's look at the uh, interpretation for just a moment. And he's starting in verse uh, 21. The goat is the king of Greece. The great horn between his eyes is the first king. 22. As for the, the horn, it was broken, and there were four others arose. Four kingdoms shall arise from his nation, but not with his power. And at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, shall arise. His power shall be great but not by his own power. And he shall uh, cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. Okay, so he's persecuting the Jews. By his cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand. And in his own mind, he shall become great. Without warning, he shall destroy many and he shall rise up against the prince of princes. And notice that prince there in our ESV is capitalized. And he shall be broken, but by no human hand. And the vision of the evenings and mornings is true and is to be sealed up. For, uh, for it refers to many days from now. All right. So, this is quite a description of this little horn. As we look in history again, we find... Uh, here's just a review of the United and Divided Greek Empires. I had mentioned this before, but it split the four up, but, in, but they lost the power of Alexandria. And that's one reason why, again, the Roman Empire was already pushing at this time. Uh, it was already pushing against the Greek Empire. Um, and they lost, well, they lost a little bit on the India side here and a little bit on the North Africa side. But... The divided empire lost quite a bit of, of ground right away. All right, so this is a man named Antiochus Epiphanes, or Antiochus IV, as he is sometimes referred to. He was a Greek that came out of the Seleucid Empire, which is one of the four, um, which I, I think is this, the yellow here, pretty sure. Um, he reigned from 175 to 164 B.C., and he's very notorious. He's notorious. Um, He attacked Egypt twice, 170 and 168 B.C. He actually subdued them, Uh, which he was attacking Ptolemy at this point in time. Uh, And uh, he pushed up to Armenia and... um, and I don't think I have, I think I actually saw this on a different map. Let's see if it's here. Yeah. Armenia and Parthia, and probably actually over here to Bactria as well. Um, so his empire was over here, and he pushed uh, this way over to Greece. He pushed this way, Armenia, Parthia, and he pushed down to Egypt. Okay, and I'm pointing that out here because uh, in the vision, it says that he, um, verse 9, out of one of them came a little horn which grew exceedingly great toward the south and toward the east and toward the glorious land. So the south is Egypt, the east is Armenia and Parthia, uh, and the promised land is, of course, the glorious land is Israel. 
Now, he didn't care much for Israel. Nobody, nobody really actually cared much for Israel in history. It was just a place to get from one place to another in the, in the East, in the Middle East. So uh, it's you know, kind of like Gary, Indiana. All right, so, um, so the glorious land. So he didn't care much about it, but the Jewish people thought that he had died in 168. And he had set up a high priest, or he had set up a governance, I should say, over Israel. And the, the, the Jewish people rebelled against him, thinking he died. Well, he didn't die. So that, of course, made him mad. And he went back to Israel then in 168 and, um, and put down the revolt. Do I have the right date out there? Um, I think I do, but I I have to check something. Anyway, uh, so he attacks Jerusalem, and he puts down the revolt, and he um, does some terrible things to the temple. He offers um, a sacrifice of a pig. Uh, let's see, I think I have a list of it here somewhere. Um, Yeah, he causes sacrifices to cease in the temple in Jerusalem. He dedicates the Jerusalem temple to Zeus. He prohibits the observances of Sabbath. Uh, he institutes a search for the law to make sure that nobody had the law, uh, the Torah, a copy of it in their home. Um, he also tried to instill Greek culture on the people uh, and make them follow Greek uh, traditions. And uh, he let his soldiers do some um, unseemly things in the temple area. So he desecrated the temple. He persecuted the Jewish people uh, for trying to rebel against him. And, um, And so we see here and Tyke, and then he died suddenly in 164 uh, after he was um, uh, attacking out to the east, uh, and he died suddenly. And in Jewish tradition, his sudden death uh, came as a judgment of God. In um, the Greek story, there's one Greek story that said he committed suicide, but we don't know. He died suddenly in 164. Uh, committed suicide by drowning. drowning uh, so he dies quickly. All right, so we know we're fairly confident from history that this is the little horn uh, that comes out of one of the other uh, horns, out of one of the four kingdoms of Greece, who uh, grew exceedingly great towards the south, towards the east, and towards Jerusalem, the glorious land, um, and uh, and so we're, we're fairly certain that that's the case. Now, the problem is there's a lot of prophecy here again that Antiochus does not fulfill uh, because he dies shortly after uh, he attacks Jerusalem. And 
We're going to have to wait till next week, Lord willing, because we're already out of time. Did that go fast? Um, to find out what happens next and to solve the, uh, the puzzle of the little horn in Daniel chapter 8. So, Lord willing, we'll look at Daniel, we'll finish the story of the little horn in Daniel 8 and look at this interpretive problem. We won't solve it, but I'll just tell you that right now. You can still come back next week. And then um, Daniel 9, in particular, uh, the 70 weeks of Daniel. So that's what we will we'll look at uh, at that time. All right, so any... But I'll still open up for questions. Does anyone have any question thus far other than... Yes, Mrs. Martin. Well, so far, they're different. Um, Well, I'm going to solve that next week. But there's a clue on your handout. Because if you look on the handout... It'll show that there's a little horn uh, in the revived Roman Empire. And then there's a little horn also under the Greek Empire. There are two little horns listed in Daniel chapter 8, even though there's only one little horn. There's two horns. So I'll let you puzzle over that. Quantum mechanics notwithstanding. All right. Um, certainly Antiochus fulfills the verses that I've listed here on, on our sheet. That seems to go uh, without question. But as far as the remaining verses, verses 23 through 25, that we'll have to wait till next week to discuss. So, now that I've whetted your appetite. All right. All right, well, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll be on our way. Our Father, again, we stand amazed at your holy word. And, Father, we're again reminded that you know the beginning from the end. We know that all of these kingdoms, uh, these individual rulers, men like Antiochus and Alexander the Great, you knew about these men. You told Daniel about these men hundreds of years before they ever arrived on the scene. And so we understand your providence We see here uh, your sovereignty over all things. And Father, even as we looked at the Son of Man receiving the kingdom of God and the rule over all the earth, Father, we look forward to that day. That's the day we wish to see, um, see fulfilled and fulfilled soon. So we pray, even as the Apostle John, that we would see those days happen Father, that that Jesus Christ would come soon, that the kingdom would be delivered over to him, the Messiah of the people of Israel, and we would live in that day and under his rule. Father, pray that you would um, put a love in our hearts for the kingdom to come and that we would long for it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.